You're listening to Sermons at High Peak. A man named Eddie Chapman lived in the first half of the 20th century in Great Britain. Now, he was a small-time criminal at first. He was part of what was called a jelly gang, and not because they liked jelly on bread, but they used gelatinous explosives to blow open safes, and that's how they would get in and steal things. And they did all kinds of other petty crime. Well, he was arrested trying to rob a nightclub one night, and he was put in jail, and while he was in jail, he met two Germans. And this was about the time that World War II was getting started. And uh, those two Germans turned him. So when he was released, he got smuggled into Germany He decided to go to work for the German cause, and they sent him back to England as a spy. They turned him into a spy, and uh, his mission was to blow up a, a, a factory, an airplane factory. But instead, on his way, the British intelligence captured him. And instead of imprisoning him, they turned him back and said, we're gonna use you as a double agent. So they faked news reports, they faked all kinds of uh, pictures and everything to make it look like that airplane factory had indeed been blown up. And they sent him on his way back into Germany and while he was in Germany, he made the German officials think that he was still working for them. They thought that they had successfully blown up this airplane factory and so they began to entrust him with an awful lot of secrets which then he would secretly send back to MI6, the British Intelligence Service. And during the rest of the war, he served and lived as a double agent. After the war was over, he kind of was known as a a playboy and was fairly well known for these exploits and spoke all over the place. But as I listened to that, as I read that story and as I tell it to you now, I think to myself, I wonder what it must have felt like. At times thinking, Who am I really serving? Because his actions at some point would make it seem like he was helping the German army and the German government. But indeed, he was actually helping his home nation of Great Britain. And you know, we're kind of like that as Christians today. The Bible tells us that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And it says to us that our citizenship is in heaven, and so our focus ought to be on heaven. And yet here we live among human beings, awaiting our return, and we're sort of living almost as double agents. The difference is we don't want to be secretive about it at all. We want the world to know. But what must that be like? What is your number one priority as a Christian but to please God? And yet we live among people And we find ourselves trying to be a good witness, trying to fit in so that people will listen to that witness. And sometimes we might get tempted to seek the pleasure and approval of the people around us. Does that ring true to you in your life? Have you felt that? I'm trying to please God, but it seems like sometimes I'm trying to please men or women more. Well, we're in the third week of our series called Pots of Gold. What's a pot of gold? Well, it's a bunch of gold in a pot, right? 
but in reality, it's a, a thought about something at the end of the rainbow, what are you supposed to find but a pot of gold? And people are looking for the pot of gold in their life. And what I define as the pot of gold euphemistically or, or symbolically, that is that thing that you are trying to achieve, but it's never really going to satisfy you. Maybe it doesn't really exist. And if you put all of your effort into that, you are going to be disappointed. Just like if you began to search for a pot of gold at the end of some beautiful rainbow that God had made in the sky. Our first week we talked about seeking fame, wanting your name to be publicized, whether it's nationally, internationally, or even if it's just in your local sphere of influence. You want people to think that you're something special. Uh, the second week we talked about fortune last week. Sometimes people seek a literal pot of gold. They want money and they want stuff. Well, this week we're going to think a little bit. It's similar to the first week, fame, but it's more about approval of an individual. We're going to talk about approval. And then next week we'll look at what it means to seek comfort as our priority. But today we're looking at the idea of approval. Seeking the approval of people. This is when you have a known, or most of us, it's an unknown goal to please people. I wonder how many of you have the problem of being a people pleaser. Anybody admit to you being a people pleaser? Boy, we got a hand that went up. Well, I, you know, I feel like I am sometimes. Are you a people pleaser? You can tell on yourself or not. I don't know. That's up to you and God. But a lot of us maybe don't even realize that we are people pleasers. But let's look to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, and see what the Lord has to say about being a people pleaser and the problem of pleasing people as your number one goal. Proverbs 29, verse 25, and then later on we'll look in the book of Galatians. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 25, I'm reading in the Christian Standard Bible and it says this. The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The fear of mankind, the desire to please people is the way I'm saying it. This, when it says fear, it means literal fear. I mean, you are shaking in your boots. You, you are trembling, concerned, and worried about what people think. And he says that that kind of fear, that that focus, that goal is a snare. It's a, a trap. This is a, a snare as in something that a hunter might put out in the woods trying to catch an animal. You know, I always thought of the, the cartoons. You know, you'd see the Bugs Bunny or Roadrunner cartoons and they'd put out a snare, a trap. And you know, it was always had this claw thing and you'd snap it and the thing would come through. And of course, Roadrunner would always so fast, right through it. And then the uh, coyote would come out, what's wrong with my trap? And then he'd get his big old beak stuck in it. And that's the problem, is, is it's a snare, it's a trap, it's going to get you. It's going to hurt you instead of helping you the way you think it might be. Craig Groeschel, who uh, again is with Life Church, and he uh, wrote about these ideas and this inspired this message. He, he said that he calls this the disease to please. And it is like a disease because it infects you, it hurts you. 
And I want you to think about that. When, whenever you uh, think you might have an illness, you go to a doctor, right? You know, I've gone to the doctor here recently and I began to feel kind of run down again. And I pretty much knew what the problem was because about two and a half years ago I went through this and they said, your iron's low. And so I had to go get an infusion of iron. And I did it again two weeks last week, this past Thursday as well. And uh, today is the first day I really started feeling better. But they had to do some tests and they had a diagnosis. And then they have the diagnosis and fortunately for me it was a simple treatment. But have you ever done the following? We're in the diagnosis phase. I want to see whether you have the disease to please. Have you ever pretended to agree with somebody about something that you did not believe or you didn't feel the same? Secondly, have you ever worried about what other people think when you do something that's not wrong or is definitely right. In other words, I know I'm doing the right thing, but I'm worried about what they might think of me. A lot of us have done that. As a kid, I can remember knowing that I was supposed to share my faith. But I was afraid when I'd go to my high school and think, I need to tell this person. I felt like God was telling me to tell that person about Jesus. And I thought, what are they going to think of me if I tell that person about Jesus? And I used to think, oh, I'm so glad that when I grow up, that'll all go away and I'll never worry about that again. Still happens. I still feel that way. Satan works on me. Uh, have you ever kept on apologizing for something even after the person has forgiven you? Or do you have a problem saying no to people? When someone's angry or disappointed with you, do you have a really hard time getting that out of your mind? Have you ever changed your behavior in order to match the people that you are around? Do you ever not feel good unless people are actively praising you for what you're doing? Do you avoid conflict, even if it means doing something you don't want to do, that you don't, that you don't agree with, or that you know is absolutely wrong? But you do it. You don't want to have conflict with them. Do you ever not admit your feelings are hurt by somebody because you don't want to hurt their feelings? These are all just some questions. Some diagnostic questions. And as I asked you those questions, I hope you were listening and thinking, and if you said yes to a bunch of those questions, chances are you have the disease of being a people pleaser. The disease to please. That's the diagnosis. That's the best way to figure it out. And so what do you do when you have a disease? You go to a doctor and you want to get treatment for it. You want to figure it out. You go get a test. You find out you've got the problem. And then they give you a diagnosis. You know, some diseases are known by the name of the doctor who discovered it. For example, I know at least one or two of you, maybe more, have Crohn's disease. Did you know that was named for Beryl Crohn? But there were two other doctors that helped him, Leon Ginsberg and Gordon Oppenheimer. So you might as easily just had the Ginsberg syndrome or Ginsberg's disease. Uh, but instead of the G and the O, they used the first one in the alphabet, Crohn. Some diseases, though, have a Latin name. I wonder if any of you have ever had varicella. Anybody ever had varicella? I bet a lot of you, you are, you're a nurse, that's not fair. You know what varicella is. 
Varicella, it's the chicken pox. Who's had the chicken pox? A lot of us have had the chicken pox. Or, um, you know, maybe you have uh, carcinos. That's a very dangerous and terrible disease. It's the Latin name for cancer. Strangely enough, it's also the Greek word for crab. I don't understand that. I guess it's because of the, uh, uh, the, the star formation that they call the cancer. Anyway, I, I bet that uh, at least some of you have had viral nasopharyngitis. Anybody ever exist viral nasopharyngitis? Some of you have had that. Y'all better get away from her. She's had it. She's a, it's the common cold. Well, I'm concerned that many of us in this room have populous idolatry eye. What does that mean? It means you're a people pleaser. That's Latin for people and idolatry. That is what it is. It's an idolatry of making the pleasure of people, the opinion of a person, making someone else liking you or thinking of you well. That becomes more important to you than your relationship with God the Father, the only person we should seek to please. It's idolatry. And here's what idolatry is. It's terrible, it's sinful, and it's horrible. And in the Old Testament, God punished people with death for it. Now in the post-era of Jesus Christ and in his grace, he doesn't work with us the same way he worked with his nation, the chosen people of Israel. And so it's a little different the way it happens today. And so you kind of think you're getting away with it. But in reality, it's hurting you and it's hurting your relationship with God if you already have one. Or it's blocking that relationship, making it so he can't get through to you because you're not listening to him. Because you don't really care what he thinks. You're more interested in what she thinks or he thinks. And so we don't listen to God. Think about it. You're talking to someone. You know, maybe you're at the water cooler. Do they still have water coolers? Everybody brings a bottle of water. But anyway, you know, the proverbial water cooler at work. Wherever it is that people gather, maybe for lunch meeting in the lunchroom or something like that. And you're having a conversation. It's a nice, pleasant one. And then someone walks up. And your friend that you're having this pleasant conversation says about that person after they leave, boy, I wish they wouldn't let those kind of people around here. You say, what? what, what? Those kind of people? And you look at the person and it's, they're black. And you think, oh. But you don't want to cause any problems. You don't want to rock any boats. And so you just kind of go, hmm. And you know what happens? That racist friend of yours who doesn't want their kind around here now thinks you are just like them. It's because you're a people pleaser. So now you get lumped in and they might run around telling other people, oh, Kevin, he's just like me. He agrees on this issue. You don't want to cause a problem. Would you rather have your coworkers think of you as an ally or would you rather have God Bless you for standing up for the truth in that situation. After all, the Bible teaches it. There is nothing about race that's important is it, when it comes to relationships. I'm not saying that race isn't important. That's foolishness. Yes, your culture is a part of who you are. We should be proud of our culture. There's nothing wrong with that. Whether you're black or Hispanic or you're Asian or you're white or you're Native American, whatever it is, it's okay. As long as you don't look badly upon other people, the Bible is clearly expressly against that. 
that we are all equal in the eyes of God. And so I shouldn't let other people affect me. And I should not stop speaking up for the truth just to please people. Think about that person, though, that sat there or stood there next to you and said, I don't want those kind around. That person has just now committed three sins, and if you have acted without saying anything, and therefore you are equated with them. What are those three sins? Well, numbers, one is he's a racist. And number two, he's a gossip. Because as he was sitting there talking to you, he said, you know what, I, I heard that, that she's been having an affair with her friend. And uh, her husband doesn't even know about it. That's called gossip. Does he know that for a fact? Even if he knows it for a fact. His job isn't to come and bring it to you. His job, if they're both believers and brother and sister in Christ, is to go confront them with the sin. That's what Matthew 18 teaches us. And then he's saying this terrible thing. And then he says, boy, I sure hope her husband finds out about it. Boy, that'd be fun to be there on that moment. A fly on the wall in their home. Now if he says that, what's he doing? He's celebrating the sinful destruction of someone else's life. He's a racist, a gossip, and he celebrates sin. All three things that God said we're not supposed to do. Now that's just one example. I could probably, if we stood here long enough and sat here long enough, we could all come up with all kinds of ways in which we let the pleasing of people cause problems in our life, in our relationships. And Proverbs says this, that's a trap. That's a snare. That person either knowingly or unknowingly thinks you agree with them. And you're stuck in their sin. Other forms of people pleasing happen. But instead we should seek to please God. Again, look at verse 25. It says, the fear of mankind, people pleasing, is a snare, a trap. But the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. I love this phrase where it says trust in the Lord is protected. The idea of protected means literally to be raised up. It's as if you've gone up into a high tower. Uh, in ancient days, you know what they believed? They believed that uh, a tower, a high up place, was the best place to be when enemies attacked. Why? Because with the limited kinds of uh, weaponry that they had, it was extremely difficult to approach a city that was high up. That's why Jerusalem, built up on a mountain, was something that was hard to attack. There were multiple attackers many times. It wasn't until 700 years or so after it was established as a nation city uh, that Babylon was able to come and destroy it. And that's because Babylon had such overwhelming power and force. And so he says, I'll raise you up, I'll lift you up, I'll protect you. And so in that moment when you're standing there at the water cooler and you're saying, I'm not going to rock the boat. This guy, you know, he's at least my coworker, or maybe he's the boss. And you say, I could lose my job over this. Or I could cause problems in the workplace and then it affects my, my paycheck and taking care of my family. God says, don't worry about all of that. Just seek to please me and I'll protect you. I'll make sure that you're okay. You might still lose the job. You might still get fired. You might still not receive the promotions because everybody thinks you're a, a boat rocker. But you know what you will have? You'll have God on your side. And you know, I think someone who can create whole worlds into existence by speaking them is maybe a little bit better ally than Joe down at the water cooler. Don't you? When you think of it that way. And he promises us this. He promises us 
that he will inoculate us from the disease. When you have a disease, sometimes you'll take medicine or you'll have a shot that someone gives you. Now, what are these shots? You know, there are two kinds and maybe more. I'm not a medical expert. Some of you are far more knowledgeable about this than I do. Maybe you've got others. But I know there's at least two kinds of shots. There's the one that prevents the disease and there's the one that cures the disease. I've had both. Some of you have too. How many ever take a flu shot or a uh, shot for pneumonia? I've never had the pneumonia shot, but I take the flu shot every year now. I swear by it because since I started doing that, I don't think I've ever gotten the pneumonia or gotten flu. But one time I had just a little touch of it right after I got the shot and it went away after a very short period of time. Sometimes the shot can give it to you. A small dosage can give it to you. And it prevents it. It stops you. If you begin your life to say, Lord, I want to please you. And every day you wake up to say, Lord, make this another day where I honor and please you. Then all that day you can be inoculated by trusting the Lord instead of seeking the pleasure of people. And the result is you will be protected. God will watch out for you. And you won't get the disease of people pleasing. Or maybe you've already got it. Maybe you've already fallen into that trap. God says, I will take you out of it. If you ask forgiveness, it's kind of like shots that some people take. You know, I, I've, taken, uh, I've taken shots that, that prevent things or I've taken medicines that cure things. Sometimes you go to the doctor and you've got some illness and the doctor says, take this pill. And after you take it over a period of days, maybe some kind of a infection or something and, and it goes away. And I bet you've taken those as well. You know how we get cured of the disease to please, we ask forgiveness. And then we, we beg God, please help me to please you only. And wake up every single day saying, Lord, make my goal the pleasure of you and you alone. Because it says in that verse, the one who trusts, who takes the shot, the inoculation or the pill of pleasing God, of trusting in God. The one who trusts in the Lord is protected. God can cure this problem in your life. He can take you out of the trap, free you from it all. He will forgive you. He will love you. He will give you a focus in this life that makes you focused on him and his kingdom and not what other people think you should be focused on. Serving people is a good thing if the number one goal in serving them is serving the Lord. The problem is too many of us make the number one goal pleasing the people instead of pleasing God. And so we need that protection. We need God to watch out and take care of us. Now turn over to Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. This isn't just an Old Testament message. There's a, a verse in the New Testament, Galatians 1.10, that I want us to see. See, the church in Galatia sort of had a problem. They actually thought Paul was a people pleaser. And they seemed to have had that kind of problem. And, and so uh, uh, they had people from outside who were coming into this church that Paul himself had started. And he shared the gospel, the gospel of grace. That if you ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins and commit your life to him, that he'll forgive you, he'll cleanse you of all your sins, and he'll give you eternal life. That you will be saved if you call upon the name of the Lord, as he said in Romans 10, 9 and 10. And so that was the message. And they heard that message. And they were saved. And they built a wonderful church in Galatia. And then some people from the outside who didn't like what Paul was teaching. They didn't like this grace-based theology. 
And they started teaching them, no, you have to become a Jew first. You have to do all these works in order to get saved. God won't be happy with you unless you, uh, the men all get circumcised and they have to follow all these dietary laws and every one of the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And that's just not true. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill it. And Paul in the New Testament said that, that that is a law that was instructing us of a need for Jesus. And when Jesus came, that he fulfilled all of that. And so we don't need that anymore. And so the people must have probably said to these folks, oh, Paul's just watering down so it makes it easy for you. He's, he's a people pleaser. And in verse 10 he said, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Because he was speaking out against those folks. How can you be a people pleaser if your whole message in the last part of this chapter was about the evil of others? <laughs> He's tearing them down in their bad, evil practices and teachings. He says, am I trying to please people or God? Am I striving to please people? That word striving there, it means, is that my, my passion and my goal? Absolutely not. He said, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And Paul was hitting on something that we've learned today. And we're going to talk a lot more about tonight. And that is this. That when you serve the Lord, the world is very likely to hate you. When you put Jesus and his teachings first in your life, that means that everything else becomes secondary. And some of the people around you will not be very happy with you. And so he said this. In fact, he had to say it twice. Am I persuading people? Am I striving to please people? No. Let's be clear. We should try to live a winsome life. What do I mean? What's that word winsome mean? You hear the word winsome. In other words, you want to be attractive to people. I'm not talking about physical. If that's the case, I'm out of luck. <laughs> okay? I ain't no good looking dude, all right? But the fact is my lifestyle, my personality, I should try to make people think, hey, you know, he's a pretty happy guy. And, and you know, he's a pretty nice and forgiving guy. And you know what? I, I'd kind of like to be around him some more. Look, you can't do this perfectly. Some people aren't going to like you no matter what. And in fact, if you love Jesus, they're not going to like you at all. But if you show them love and respect and compassion, don't become argumentative all the time, always insulting, instead always kind-hearted, you know, able to laugh at yourself then yeah, people will respect you. And that's okay because the goal isn't to please them. The goal is to win them for the one whom you are pleasing, Jesus Christ. And so I want us to know something. I want you to know something. I'm talking about not being terrible to other people. That's not an excuse to be a, a jerk. It is, however, a reason to not make their opinion most important in your life because that's a trap. And Paul said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that way. Because if I tried to do that, I'd stop honoring Jesus. I'd stop serving Jesus. Now, all of us have a really strong desire to succeed in life. And sometimes to succeed in this life, you have to make pleasing people a priority. You have to make it so that other people enjoy you. And if you're speaking out for the truth, that might not be able to happen. People won't like it. The problem is, as I make that my priority and my goal, I get trapped. I get trapped because here's the thing. 
I might be able to please one person. You know, maybe I can act in such a way that Dennis thinks a lot of me. And he's pretty, you know, impressed by me. And he thinks, wow, that Kevin's a good fella. But then I come in contact with Tucker over here. And Tucker and Dennis don't think the same way about some things. I'm not saying this is really true. I'm not trying to cause problems in the church. Well, the preacher said Tucker and Dennis don't get along. No, that's not it. This is just an example, folks. But what if it was? And so I now have to totally change my behavior in order to please Tucker. But what happens if I meet them both? You're looking like, oh no, I told him I thought this and I told him I believe this way and I acted this way around him and that's opposite of what he thinks is good. How am I going to fix this? It's a snare. It's a trap. Just please God and let him sort it all out. He'll take care of the rest. One thing I know is this. I heard one, someone once say, I cannot give you a formula for success, but I can give you a formula for failure, which is try to please everybody. Well, folks, that's a good quote, the second half of it. But I want to give you the formula for success. Trust God. Please Him. And He will give you success. Little Charlie was given the head Uh, the lead part in the school musical. They were doing Charlie Brown. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. And uh, at his school, you know, he was excited to play the part. And after the final curtain was over, everybody thought he did such a good job. You know, all the characters, they came out and did their bows. And then Charlie, you know, came out. And he played the part. He had the same name, and that's why the teacher picked him. But he did such a good job that everybody stood up and they began to applaud. And he looked around the audience, and he didn't look all that happy about the standing ovation. And some people kind of wondered, well, what's the matter with Charlie? He just kind of did like like this for about 30, 30 seconds. And there he saw it. In the back corner, his dad was there. He knew his dad had to work late. He wasn't sure if he'd be able to make it in time. But his dad snuck in just before Charlie made his first appearance on stage and was there for the whole thing. And his dad, with a big beaming smile, so proud, clapping louder than anybody, whistling every once in a while. And then he looked at his son, he made eye contact with him, and he went, gave him a wink and said, I'm proud of you. He whispered the words, I'm proud of you. And when that happened, little Charlie just started beaming because he had the pleasure of his father. John Ortberg said this, to truly care for people requires not caring too much about their approval or disapproval. And that's true. To truly care for people, you have to show them the love of Christ and make Jesus number one in your life. The great brother Lawrence, who lived hundreds of years ago, said this, Let us think often that our only business in this life is to please God. Let me tell you, those two thoughts, those two ideas, will free you from the trap, the snare. And so let me make this the final one, the inoculation, the cure, the formula for success. Please God. That's it. It's that simple. Please, God. 
Thank you so much for listening to our sermons from High Peak. I'm Dr. Kevin Purcell, the pastor of High Peak Baptist Church. And if God has really spoken to you through this message, please get in touch with me. You can go over to highpeakchurch.com and look for a way to contact us. Or if you want, you can come directly to me at pastor at highpeakchurch.com. We're also on Facebook, searching for High Peak Church. We'd love to see you. We have our services every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., Sunday evening at 6 p.m. in our fellowship hall, and then also midweek service on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Please come and join us. We've got classes for all ages. God bless you, and thanks for listening.